Previously on Finding Life's Rhythm. Walter Harris came out of prison a new man. A man who used the prison library to help him find his own spirituality. A man who used the time away from the streets on the Ninth Ward of New Orleans to free himself from the clutches of addiction. And a man who used the power of meditation and imagination to envision what his life would become in the next chapter. After he got out, his vision started to become a reality, working hard to earn a living, starting a family, and playing jazz, sometimes in three bands at a time. But the dream he envisioned, the dream that actually came true, quickly turned into a nightmare when Hurricane Katrina devastated everything in its path, and New Orleans was on the long road to recovery. For a man who had bided his time, waiting patiently before, that was just another setback on the journey of life. And after his exodus, he came back to New Orleans and found his path once again. Walter was in demand as a drummer. He was rising in the ranks of his Mardi Gras Indian tribe. And he had even landed the role in the HBO series, Trume. It never fails. The thoughts you secretly keep in your mind will one day play out on the screen of space. I always had an underlying desire to be on the big screen. The big stage in my mind has always led to what materialized in a tangible way for me, for better or worse. Being attentive to subconsciously practicing my wick meditation or working imagination creatively, a chain of events led me directly to my grandest dreams. Another way to think about wick is that we are the stars in movies that play in our minds. Everyone in our lives play a role and everything that happens to us or points to our ongoing plot that we control. Ultimately, the values that we bring to our story determine the life that we live and how our desires manifest on the big screen of space and time. The big screen of space and time. In this one time that we have, in this space in the universe that we're given, how can we make the most of our talents and our ideas and pave the road that reaches our full potential. I'm Sierra Thompson, and this is episode five of Finding Life's Rhythm, The Road to Preservation Hall. My value was in the love and compassion and the integrity that I have for my culture's music, art, and dance. My frequency was picked up by another high vibrating individual who served the community as one of the best known big chiefs of New Orleans, Seven Ward Afro-Indian tribe, the Hardhead Hunters. Big Chief Otto Dejon. I've known Chief Fayou for quite some time now. In fact, he embraced the culture as a wild man. After years of observation and cultivation, he felt the anointment and responsibility to create another Afro-Indian family and represent them as the big chief. Chief Fayo knew the love and integrity that I have for the culture. 
is music, dance, and figure so that I would be of value to HBO New Orleans series, Treme. Chief Fayo definitely knew that I was the guy he needed to play for the ending and second line procession. However, he wasn't aware that I was given a script for another role. Neither was I. I just read a script that they asked me to read and come back for a second reading with the producer. I really took them lightly, but it's evident that the producer was impressed by my reading because they called me back to honor me with the role of Franklin, the second chief of the Guardians of the Flame. On top of that, they asked me about my interest in working with the wardrobe department, constructing the regalias for the Indians, and of course, I accepted. This was a pivotal moment in my life. All these great things were happening through this HBO series. I'm feeling absolutely great about my music career. One of my greatest desires has been cast on the screen of space through my value for our tradition and culture. I got to work amongst a group of conscious beings who display love, peace, and harmony on a daily basis. Not to mention, I got to construct many Indian regalias daily in the best environment I've ever had access to fabricate in. Watching the petals consistently fold open with my financial resources growing. Think about that time back in episode one where Walter walked away from his mom and as if in a trance, followed the rhythms of the drums in the distance. How just as a young boy, those drums would pave the way for his future life path. And now, not only did Walter get to play the drums that he was so drawn to, he got to showcase the Mardi Gras traditions that the rest of the world wasn't aware of. But to truly make it as a jazz musician, to fulfill his dreams and discover traditions from other cultures throughout the world, Walter needed what he didn't quite have yet, a passport. I could feel the potentiality of getting a passport. The traditional jazz gigs were abundant due to the festival season, and many New Orleans bands were traveling in and out of town, which helped keep the rotation of gigs flowing. I've also come to realize that the pedals don't always unfold as you expect them to. Earlier in my journey when I was playing with Corey Henry and his diverse repertoire, I fell in love with this modern funky brass band sound. After nearly 10 years, and thanks to the abundance of support I was getting from around me, I created this paradigm and playing with Corey. I met one of New Orleans' most well-established and innovative sousaphonists named Kirk Joseph. Kirk is the son of one of New Orleans' first jazz trombone players, Frog Joseph. After a gig, one evening, Kirk asked if I would be interested in subbing for a few gigs with the Dirty Dozen. Without thinking, I accepted off the top. This was an experience I could not pass up. He gave me a CD and a schedule for a rhythm section rehearsal before the gig. I had no idea how complicated it was going to be to remember all of those arrangements 
and how physically demanding this gig was in contrast to traditional jazz. I'll always remember how nervous I was the first gig, but from there on, I knew of my own internal ability to create my own reality. I asked the universe and nurtured my desire, which then presented itself. However, you have to concentrate and visualize. You should be prepared to accept your dreams and be on the positive frequency to recognize the abundance that your inner self can create with the intentional support and belief. I like to think of support as belief. And if we've learned anything from Walter so far, believing is half the battle. And support is belief you get from other people. It's like uh, additional power to what you already have inside. Now, when I was 17, I trained in something called Krav Maga. Krav Maga is a pretty intense martial art. And you have to pass through different tests in order to move up to different levels. Now, when I was taking my level two tests to move up to level three, I encountered a really hard obstacle. Basically, I was laying down on the ground and there was at least 300 pounds of either bodies my other trainees who were helping me take this test, or equipment bags just to add weight. I was on the ground and I was meant to crawl out. My family was watching and my trainers were watching. And I had the support and yet my face was going red and I could not believe there was no way that I was getting out from underneath this pile of weight. The next thing I knew, one of my trainers, Jamie, she came down she kneeled down right next to me on the ground and she said, I did this in one of my tests. I know you can do it too. And after hearing those words from her, moments later, I was pulling myself out from under that weight and on to the next part of my test. Jamie had added a confidence to me that I didn't know that I had. It was already within me, but hearing it from someone outside of myself really helped me to explore it and put it into action. After that, Gosh, what couldn't I do if I could pull myself out from under four or 500 pounds worth of people in bags? Thanks to my aunt and my uncles, Juanita, Detroit, and Mark Brooks, who were seniors in the traditional jazz culture, I felt as if I was adopted by four traditioners, as I called them, from this grand community of traditional jazz. These men had been playing this style of music since the early 60s. Three of these gentlemen had left their native countries due to the strong magnetic force of New Orleans jazz. These torchbearers of traditional revival style, Tommy Sankton, one of our native clarinet players, Clive Wilson, a trumpeter by the way of England, Lars Edegren, a pianist and banjo player, and Orange Kellen, another clarinet player, both by the way of Sweden, all performed with my Aunt Juanita in this stage performance one more time, which was written by Vernell Bagnerice, whom happened to be a native of New Orleans as well. It was Lars Edegren that turned me on to a traditional New Orleans jazz drumming video instructed by the jazz master Baby Dodds. This is where everything changed again for me. Once I learned the formula of traditional drumming, the way Baby Dodds taught, 
I better understood the drummer's role in the traditional jazz band. After developing these valuable techniques, I started getting calls from elder traditional jazz cats. These guys had respect and love for what's known as the revival style. This style predates the hi-hats and heavy patternized riding of the cymbal. This was the transformation state from a marching to stage bass ensemble, yet still maintaining the pressure rolls on the snare drum and the four beat cadence style of drumming. This is what they favored at the beginning of jazz, working with my uncle Detroit Brooks, I met a local clarinet player named Michael White. After working with Mr. White for a while, he asked if I was able to travel. They were going to Japan for a gig. Around that time, I just completed my legal obligations and was now eligible to apply for a passport. After going through the procedure, I was finally awarded with my passport. Needless to say, Going to Japan was my first overseas tour, along with my uncle on that tour, was extremely special. It was so exciting and reassuring to experience my inner thoughts and aspirations being realized after so many years. Coming up, Walter reaches for the next level of jazz music, trying out for the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. And later, Walter uses his passport to reach a place that combines African traditions with jazz and has a spiritual experience like nothing he's ever felt before. Thanks for listening to Finding Life's Rhythm, a podcast about musician Walter Harris. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified when the next episode comes out. This episode was written and produced by Jason Gillikin, Greg Lucas, and me, Sierra Thompson, for EarFluence. Music for the episode are original compositions from Walter Harris. For more on Preservation Hall, be sure to visit preservationhalljazzband.com. I'm Sierra Thompson, and we'll see you next time on Finding Life's Rhythm.